0: The
1: Fix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 259 of the Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between, how to get them made, how to make them and how to try and to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today on the show, we have directors and producers, Enrico Natale and David Middell. They are the team behind the fantastic movie. And actually, my top 10 of the year, it was number two. It is the film, The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. This film blew me away. It's absolutely fantastic. It's based on the true story of the event that led to the death. Of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. He's an elderly African-American veteran with bipolar disorder and he was killed during a conflict with police officers who were dispatched to check on him. Uh, David Medell directed and wrote it and uh, produced it and Enrico Natale produced it, he edited it and he stars in the movie as well. It is a tour de force of filmmaking and it is a lead performance that will blow you away it should be oscar nominated the film has already been nominated for a spirit award for frankie Faison. if you don't know who he is uh he has starred in films such as coming to america do the right thing white chicks maximum overdrive fatherhood i'm your woman the grudge Uh, the list goes on this is one of these actors you will know you recognize his face but in this oh my gosh is absolutely divine. Uh, David uh, Middell, the director, has also directed the film Night Hawks. Enrico Natali has directed, produced, edited, starred, uh, production managed. These following films, The Fish, Ditching Party, um, Perfect Sunday, Silent No More, Dracano, Anything Is Possible, American Justice, Silver Skies, Amelia 2.0, School Spirits, B-Roll, Bullet Ride, and of course, The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain, which we are here to talk about. Myself and fellow host Dom Lenoir sat down with them and we got into it. We talked about how they developed the film, how they found the story in the first place, how they reached out to the family uh, of Kenneth Chamberlain. They also talk about how they approached the police and the George Floyd comparisons um, we dive into David's writing process and the fact that David is on the spectrum meant we dived into mental health as well and how mental health in film is a real thing and we also talk about how Morgan Freeman yeah that's right the Morgan Freeman came on as exec producer why David did long takes used the camera that he shot with and the improv style it is a beauty Please watch this film. It is on HBO Max now and Amazon in America. If you can get hold of it, please watch it. These are the kind of films that make a difference in the world, that make a difference to filmmakers and make you, I hope, want to go make your film similar, that can make a difference, that can do something to change the landscape of this world, to make people think differently. this is one of those films and it had me and I love it. I am Giles Alderson. If you didn't know, I've just got back from New Mexico. I was on a location scout, or recce as we call it, in the UK, looking for my locations for one of my upcoming films. Uh, I went with Richard Short, who has written the piece, and we had an absolute blast. We were treated so well by the team at Creskit Eundo. In um, Albuquerque and my god and the fantastic producer Kelly Pendigraph showed us some amazing sights I mean not only is New Mexico beautiful and I urge you if you can to go film there. film there. it's not that easy but my god the amount of films that have filmed there the list goes on it's incredible uh, I cannot thank the team there enough I had a brilliant time and I want to make my movie there fact So I'm gonna do everything I can to make that happen. And I will tell you about it when I can. There's no point telling you about it if it's not gonna happen, right? But what I can do is to tell you that I am trying to make shit happen. I'm trying to move stuff forward. We have the script ready. We have some cast already attached, some big names. And we're now pushing forward in financing and getting a studio behind us, maybe. Who knows? (laughs) You gotta do everything you can, right? That's what making films is about. No one's gonna do it for you. You've gotta do it. Get the best team you can around you and move forward. Oh, and Richard Short stars in um, The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is on Apple TV now, by the way. If you've not seen it, oh my God, Oof, blows you away. So this week, I am sitting down um, with Ian McKellen. Yep, uh, star of The Lord of the Rings series, star of so many films and TV. Myself, uh, and Matthew Butler-Hart and Tory Butler-Hart, uh, interviewing him at his house any questions better get them in quick because I'm doing that tomorrow <laughs> I might put a tweet out as well so look out for that if you want any questions for Ian McKellen um, that should be a good chat shouldn't it oh yeah looking forward to that he directed Richard the Third, by the way so the, if you want to do some homework Um, before we chat to him, then do watch his brilliant directorial debut, Richard III. But we'll be diving into his acting career, of course, and working with amazing directors, as he has. But next week's podcast won't be you, McKellen, it will actually be Confession, uh, the latest film by David Beaton, which was produced by Lucinda Rhodes-Tacker, who's a regular host on this podcast, as is the cinematographer Andrew Roger, who lends the movie. Confession is out I think it's next week so we're putting the podcast out next week for you yeah link to all that stuff will be on the show notes speaking of show notes in there this week will be a link to the film Care this is a crowdfunder; it's on Kickstarter right now and it's by a brilliant actor called Joseph Milsom he's making his short film debut which is about a guy called Michael as he struggles with a bit of divorce and his new status as in the at home carer for the elderly come Michael Tune in to the wisdom and humour of Alan, the extraordinary man in his care, before anger and bitterness consume him. Uh, The cast will include Michael Maloney, who's in Belfast and The Crown, and Michael Begley, uh, who's in Doctor Who and The A Word. So, if you fancy supporting someone this week, I would highly suggest that it is Joseph Milson and his short film Care. It is on Kickstarter now, Link to that, like I say, is in the show notes right I think that's about it I hope you're inspired by this episode as I was inspired by listening to the boys David Medel and Enrico Natali, and watching their quite remarkable film The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain sit back relax and enjoy this one Hello, boys. Hello. Me and Don were talking earlier about how we both love the film and how it touched us and how important it is and just how brilliant a movie it is. Mm. I, I Honestly, it, I couldn't tell you how I, I, that, that ending got me. And I'm just sat there, go. Oh God, oh God, yeah. on the black screen. I'm like, no, no. Just brilliantly well done, boys. Really well done. It's, it's impressive. Thank you. How are you Thank feeling Thank now? You very much. Getting, you, you're getting all the you know the plaudits at the moment, the uh, the Spirit Awards nominations last night. You know the the awards, the Gotham Awards that you've won some of them already. How's it feeling right now to to be on this journey, right in the middle of it,
2: right in the heart? It's it's pretty uh it's pretty incredible. I mean, like honestly, as filmmakers, you you always want those accolades and you always want people to to appreciate the work that you do. But uh, you know this film is, is so much more than a film. You know it's so so much more than just another movie, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a true story of, of a mm. tragic, mm. Uh, um, life that, that came to end. And, uh, you know, it's, it really is, uh, we feel that weight, you know, as filmmakers, we feel that weight to, to make sure that the story gets heard and seen. And we feel a, a tremendous amount of, of pressure to, to do everything in our power to, to get the story out there because we're very close with, with the Chamberlain family. Uh, particularly Kenneth Chamberlain, Jr., who's been fighting for his father for ten years. Um you know, November nineteenth was the ten year anniversary, which was uh, HBO max release of the mm. film was the ten year anniversary of his killing. And he's been fighting for his father the entire time. And like we know how important this movie is for him in hopes that you know the the world and country will kind of stand up and and finally like fight with him. Uh, beside him for his father because it's it's tragic it's absolutely tragic what happened to him and you know we, we we felt very strongly about telling the story but as the um the years have gone on that we've worked with kenneth chamberlain jr in particular it's we we have a deep love and admiration and respect for what he's done and his voice in the social justice community um is is so incredibly important so you know uh, the 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 awards and the nominations are are incredible and and they're so great and uh particularly for Frankie Faison who uh, mm-hmm. we just can't I mean you know I think he's the performance of the of the year mm-hmm. I think he's um you know absolutely incredible um as someone who was a, a filmmaker and also an, an actor who got to act uh, beside him you know being in the moment with him was was absolutely incredible it was incredible and and he deserves all of the awards because he he really was um, brilliant. He was brilliant, and he he was so committed to his role mm-hmm. um, in a way that like changed me as an actor forever. I feel like I grew as an actor tremendously just being able to to act uh, alongside Frankie. So uh, you know we can't we can't praise him enough for his performance in this and, and just how absolutely unbelievably incredible it was for us.
1: Yeah, it really is. And obviously yourself as well getting the editor nod as well, which is that uh, quite special, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a testament to, to what uh, David and I wanted and, you know, honestly, David had a vision from the very beginning on what this film was going to be and like me as a producer and like i've produced a lot of stuff and i was always like yeah maybe we should get that dolly shot or maybe we should get that you know and (laughs) he was very very clear like no no handheld this is all gritty realistic and Mm -hmm. and he stuck to his guns and and i'm uh i think in the editing process that came very clear and we worked very hard to kind of have this feeling of you know you feel the pace from start to finish where you start off kind of longer shots, more like, you know, you're feeling kind of him, you know, sludging around the house, just like Mm -hmm. moving very slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, The shots kind of depict that. And as it gets uh, further into the movie, you start rapid fire um, cutting, you know, until that very end sequence, which is just like, it was a nightmare to edit. It was absolutely insane to put that together. But it, I mean, it was like every half second you're cutting. And it was just like the feeling of, uh, anxiety that it puts you through. I think we we, we wanted to capture that. We wanted to mm-hmm. capture what it might be like to be Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. in that moment.
1: Totally, totally. And you, you honestly, you've, you've both done amazing here. David, for you as well, right now riding this wave, obviously you shot this in 2020, um, maybe before that, but maybe we can come to that. And you live with something for so long and it sounds like this has been a project that you've been trying to make for so long how is it feeling now that you know your hard work on something like this and also all the work you've done in the past to yeah. suddenly go oh you're getting recognized and not that we want the recognition to feel special but it it, it must still feel nice to suddenly people to go ah, oh, okay good people like what we've done here
3: yeah a- absolutely and i mean we we actually shot the it's been a long journey we we started working on it in 2017 um that okay. was when that was when the initial kind of kernel of the idea started to germinate and it and, and the script sort of developed out of the conversations that i was having with the chamberlain family particularly kenneth chamberlain jr um and it's it it, it we shot it in 2018 um mm-hmm. and then we we premiered we, our festival premiere was actually in 2019 but mo- the majority of our festival run was then in 2020 during the pandemic, which was, you know, an interesting experience interesting. In, in itself, mm. and it was also, it was also meaningful because in the middle of our festival run was when George Floyd was killed. Um, oh wow! Yeah, the, the film, you know, the film certainly had a a significance to all of us before then, mm. but I think for all of us, it took on a greater significance, and we felt even more of a sense of responsibility than we did before to make sure that this story gets out there and that we are telling it in the most respectful honest uh way that we can and you know it's it's really become personal for everybody i think you know frank frankie frankie says sometimes that you know he's been an actor in the business for 50 years and he he he'll he'll you know do a couple days on this set and then a couple days on that set and mm-hmm. then a couple days on this set and you know he never knows what's going to happen with the projects that he acts in because you know there's so so much of the journey takes place after fil- filming is done. Mm-hmm. So he's never really aware necessarily of how successful a certain project is going to be or how a film that he acted in even turns out. And one of the things that that I think, you know, has been great for us is that this this, turn, this has turned out to be one of the films that's been kind of the most meaningful in his career, I think, not only because he has a lead role, but mm. because he's, he's uh, uh, developed such a strong relationship with the Chamberlain family and has been such a powerful kind of spokesperson for the film he's kind of ended up being the public face of the film and he's he's become a really powerful um voice for it and for the for the chamberlain family so that's been one of the one of the most incredible aspects of of making the film Um, and i think that you know it it the the personal aspect for me you know not only comes from having gotten to know the chamberlain family we've become extremely, extremely close with them. And, and Kenneth Chamberlain Jr.'s voice has really been the most important voice behind the film for the whole entire process. Uh, But I think, you know, given my background, uh, I, I worked with individuals with special needs for many years and emotional Mm -hmm. and behavioral disorders. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a special education teacher, and I'm actually on the autism spectrum myself. And, you know, having my own mental health history, my own history with with being on the spectrum as well as the work that I've done has has made this story really personal because you know not only is this about is this film about the way that you know the relation the historical tense relationship that there has been between communities of color and law enforcement mm-hmm. it's also about um the fact that people with mental health challenges and people with autism and other developmental disabilities are disproportionately likely to be injured or killed by police officers. There's new stories every single day about that. Mm. And so it's been really personal for me for those reasons. Um, And that's another reason that it's just been very gratifying to, to be recognized in the way we've been recognized
0: yeah that's that's amazing i mean on both those counts uh, i mean i think i think in these days as well like especially like with, with autism and, and the spectrum it, it's something that's becoming like increasingly more you know a, a current that people have there's a very big scale on there and a lot of people aren't diagnosed and and function and carry on with their lives mm-hmm. um and, and no one has any idea um and and some people you will know, go their whole lives without that so to be able to Sort of access that and and um, you know tell these stories is is absolutely uh, amazing. So I mean, go, going back to the Chamberlain family, how did you sort of come across this story and and how did you begin that collaboration in terms of you as a filmmaker versus you uh, telling an original story that has to be treated very sensitively? Yeah, I found this story. I found Kenneth Chamberlain Senior's story online. Um, And
3: it it resonated with me, you know, for kind of the the reasons that I just mentioned, It, it resonated with me really personally. And the more research that I did on what happened to Kenneth Chamberlain Sr., the more I realized that these officers were completely misguided and ill prepared in their approach to uh, interacting with somebody who's suffering from a mental health crisis um, mm. as a special education teacher uh, and, you know, a behavior therapist, uh, you know, I, I worked as a behavior therapist for a while and, you know, obviously being on the spectrum myself, I've been through a uh, very extensive crisis management training and I've been involved in crisis situations um, with people with mental health challenges and emotional and behavioral disorders um and i've been on both sides of those crisis situations and you know i've seen them get resolved very smoothly and safely where nobody gets hurt and i've seen them spiral completely out of control and it was very clear that you know obviously that's what happened in this circumstance because the first responders were not were not prepared and were completely misguided so i think it it really drove home the importance in my mind of Proper training and proper recruitment practices, all of those kinds of things. So that's that's really why it stuck out to me in the first place. And I ended up just reaching out to the Chamberlain family and I started a, a conversation with Kenneth Chamberlain Jr. And you know, the, the script was derived from there. He was able to send me a lot of great information uh depositions, documents that his attorneys briefs, briefs mm-hmm, that his attorneys mm-hmm. had written, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. He was able to send me a lot of that information. So the script was really derived from the conversations that I was having with him as well as the the documentation that was available um, about the incident, you know, whether it was the audio and video materials that you can find online, newspaper articles, interviews
1: with um, you know firsthand accounts, Uh, or documentation from the attorneys. I find that fascinating. And then to put that together, because you wrote it as well, David, didn't you? So then you're, from that, are you now, Sort of piecing it together. Because always when we find stories, we find something that interests us. It's kind of like, why am I telling this story? Why me? Why are they going to trust you? So did you present something to them to say, look, here's what I'd like to do? Did you write something? Yeah, or well,
0: well, add, add anything to it that was fictional that maybe filled in gaps that were useful to tell the story? Or Yeah, yeah. You know, as with any film that's based on a true story,
3: uh, there's always we 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 obviously had to you know fill in some of the gaps with our imagination and for example we we decided to fictionalize all of the officers um for not only legal reasons but mm-hmm. yeah um, you, you know it was just it just made sense to do that from from legal from a legal perspective and an artistic perspective uh because there were there were you know, as many as a dozen officers there at one at, at a given time on that actual day, right. That would have just been too many people to have in such a cramped space. It it would have been confusing for the audience. So we decided to fictionalize all of the officers and um, yeah, I, I, you know, in my conversations with Kenneth Chamberlain Jr. I, I told him about my background. I told him that, you know, I, you know, I, was a special education teacher. I've worked with individuals with mental health challenges for for many years, and that I have my own mental health history that's that's complex, you know, being on the spectrum. And um, and I, I think it was you know a combination of those conversations as well as um the fact that because I, I think he had been approached before, he had been approached before about you know people wanting to write a play or a book or mm-hmm. make a film or anything like that, but it just never ended up coming to fruition people people lost track of it you know it got sidetracked those kinds of things so i think it was a combination of the conversations that i was having with him and the fact that um i I think he sensed that we were committed we were committed to making this film that we understood the importance of this story And, and enrico as well you know enrico was was um you know involved in some of those early conversations as well and i think that we um he understood that we took this seriously and we understood the importance of the story
0: did did you did you come across any any issues in terms of you know obviously you're portraying like quite a quite a a negative slant i guess on how the the officers behaved i mean one one thing i I think you do is very well is is kind of show how the the mental health is basically misinterpreted and and you know how the the gung-ho of the police officers you know and you can you kind of show how these things can happen but at the same time was there any kind of of concern in terms of how you portrayed the police and you know that that effect in in how you develop the project
2: yeah i mean I, I think even in filming the the project uh kenneth chamberlain jr recommended that we don't release anything to the mm. to the public don't don't put any press just because he didn't know how they would react to it you know in terms mm-hmm. of the white plains police we reached out to the police uh they didn't want anything to do with us they didn't they uh, want to uh, talk to us or anything but we, we did try and, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. We, we don't we don't want to. Our, our job wasn't to try to villainize all police officers or try to make a statement about that. Our job was to tell the story. And this story, what they did was wrong, hmm. you know, and, and there, there's just no other way to put it. I mean, they 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 did not have the capability of dealing with the situation properly. And it ended in um, a man's life was taken. And, and, you know, that, that is what happened in this story. And that's what we, we are trying to focus on because, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, conversations being had in, in, especially in our, in our country about this very issue. And for us, it's very much about uh, what happened in this, this story and this, and in Kenneth Chamberlain senior's life, the last 90 minutes of his life and how they handled that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, they were there for a wellness check. They were there to check on his wellness mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. dead. And he's dead. And, and there's mm-hmm. really no other way to, to look at that besides putting those two statements in this in, in, together doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and and no matter what you say, you can't go there to check on someone's wellness and kill A
1: hundred percent.
0: And that and that's that's one of the, the one of the two things I think that's very you know very important in the film is that there is this kind of pre you know from from the police side I guess this this kind of suspicion you know that's that's like in the back of things rather than what they should be actually doing, and then you know from from the other side is, is this. The, the thing that, that they don't seem to be able to um, comprehend is that there is this fear based on these kind of things happening. Um, yeah. a, a, and it's, you know, to react negatively to that fear, it, it sort of escalates the, the situation rather than appreciating that's why that they're they're concerned. And then it sort of becomes this, you know, thing that goes out of control. And it's, it's uh, you, yeah, it was, yeah. Very, it was very clear in the film that.
1: You're right. That's why this is such an important story and why we as filmmakers should tell important stories, because that's, the great thing about film right and filmmaking is that we have a chance to tell stories that could make a difference that could change something and that's what's so fascinating about you know the killing of kenneth chamberlain is the fact that you are doing that you know i i think i heard the line i can't breathe as well which is obviously ridiculously important uh last yeah. year and the fact that i felt i heard that it might have been there it might not but i I heard it and therefore you and knowing that you shot this before that happened as well made me just go oh it was incredible that that ended up being just such a prophetic prophetic thing
3: because like you said we shot this before that happened but the way that the ending of the film plays out is just so similar in many ways tragically
1: to what happened to George Floyd. So yeah, it was very, very prophetic. It's 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 an incredible piece of work. It's really amazing. How did you, so, so, so now, you, did you decide that the sort of the last two hours, if you like, would be the best to do as dramatically, you know, you keep it contained, pretty much one flat, one corridor, you know, the stairs leading to it, rather than, because you could have taken it further, you could have gone seeing the family or seen the police officers beforehand. Did you think about that? Did you think, hang on, how should we tell this story? and why did you plump for you know just being in this box and which which i loved uh just being contained and you couldn't get out and i really wanted to uh tell us about that that thought process
2: yeah well, we had a lot of conversations about it i mean that that was a that was a pretty big part of of this was um talking about like you know cutting away and we, even in the edits we mm. we had people being like oh do you want to cut away to like explore what he was doing before and, and and this is where you know I have to I have to give a, a lot of uh, a light to to David you know he he's stuck to no like we are telling this story as a we're living in this moment we're breathing and living in this moment as audience members as filmmakers as actors as crew we are here and this is what we're doing you know we're 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 experiencing this with Kenneth Chamberlain senior and i think moving away from that in any way would have taken you out of that moment and and i think we wanted to try to make the audience feel what it would what it might be like to be there, to be in that moment, and and I think we 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 were successful at that because of that. Because I think if we went away, if we, if we moved away, if we did something else, I, I think it would have allowed the audience to have a little bit too much of a release from that from what was happening. Mm. And and we wanted them to stay in it, and that that's a lot of uh, you know the responses we're getting is like. You know, it, the anxiety just keeps building with this with this film because oh, you know, uh, quite frankly, that's what he went through. You know, imagine his anxiety. Imagine mm. what he was going through, mm. and like that's what we wanted you to feel. We want you to feel yeah. that. We want we want to hit you in the stomach with it because imagine what he was going through. You know, and like, and we we felt very strongly about
0: that. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's like the most prevalent in, in the way that you've, the way that you've shown the sort of this, you know, the splitting between the police waiting outside and him going through these kind of audio responses and, and his own anxiety and, and the slowness in which he moves and the confusion, and then not, you know, and then showing from the police side of things that they're just not seeing any of this or understanding any of that, mm-hmm. that kind of adds so much more to the tension. And I think it's fantastic that you've been able to do that because it just, just, again, shows that they just don't understand what's really going on in the situation. Mm-hmm. And they're just seeing it as someone that's not instantly complying to their commands.
1: Yes. And that's what gets him so riled up. It's the fact mm. that he's not comp- you know, literally doing what he's asked to do. And he's saying, no, I won't. So therefore that riles the police up even more. Yeah. How did you write those bits, David? Because there is a lot of repetition. There is a lot of no's. There is a lot of open the door. There is a lot of bang, bang. There is, you know, repeating the same names. How do you write that in a script form over 90 pages? You know, what, what was your process to do that? I think I, and this actually goes back to the question that was asked previously about
3: why did we why did we keep it so contained why didn't we show what happened before show different aspects of these people's lives or anything like that i i i wanted to explore what what really resonated with me about this story is how these types of situations can spiral completely out of control because i've seen it i've experienced it Mm-hmm. Um, in the work that I've done and being who I am, you know, I've I've seen and experienced those those kinds of things, and I, I wanted to explore how that can happen as a way of asking questions about are we as a society approaching these types of things the right way? And I, I think that it it all kind of flowed pretty naturally in terms of you're, you're right that there is a certain amount of repetition because it's it's essentially them telling him to open the door and him saying no I'm not going to open the door mm-hmm. uh, but the, within within that general premise there are so many nuances mm-hmm. and so many moments where one, either so many moments where either side could acquiesce and could just say okay fine fine I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna do what they say because I don't want this to get any I don't want things to get any hotter I want it to I want it to cool down I want the situation to resolve so I'm just gonna I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to take my ego out of it and I'm just going to let it resolve. Um, And and there was so many opportunities where that could have happened Mm -hmm. and it didn't. Um, And and I think that, you know, the 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 the, that's really what I wanted to explore. And all of the little nuances of these moments where especially like the window scene, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's the moment where it comes the closest to being being resolved and then you see that it's all snatched away um and i and i think having experienced and seen these types of situations obviously the you know the majority of the work that i've done i've done has been in educational settings so i've never been in an altercation or been involved in an altercation like this with police officers but the, the 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 general idea of what happens here I've seen and experienced so I think that I wanted to explore the nuances of these situations and how many missed opportunities they there were to potentially just resolve it peacefully and safely and 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 you know everybody walks away everybody yes. walks away alive.
1: And I love the way you develop those little moments, like with the niece or with, the, you know, Enrico coming around to the back door, the back window. There was these moments that you thought, just just let them through or let yeah, th- let these yeah. moments happen because this will yeah. stop it, right? This could stop the yeah. whole thing. And I love that. And the that niece because, was there.
2: The yeah. niece was there. She was like, actually she there. Was there. Wow, she was there. She was asking them to, to intervene and like it just blows my mind. That's one of the first mind. things you, you, you learn is like, if someone's going through a mental health crisis, which they cho- chose to ignore, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but, mm-hmm. Let someone who knows him, who who loves him, who he has a relationship with, talk to him. Yes. Like, and she was there. She was begging them to to let her do something, and they wouldn't. They didn't care. They didn't care at that point because it got personal.
1: Yeah, because they were there with the anger, and I think mental health is is so prevalent in sort of 2021. It's come massively to the forefront, of certainly in yeah. filmmaking, and I think in every other aspect, especially because of what's happened with the pandemic. The mental mm-hmm. health is suddenly wow, it's there, and people. Yeah. And maybe if that occasion does happen again things might be very different they might go okay let me just reassess but i think then i mean it wasn't that long ago but when it happened there was none of that mental health it, mm-hmm. it just was just totally overlooked as well don't care should do what i say and that's fascinating yeah. right has kenneth chamberlain jr watched this has he watched he's it watched it, more? it. He's he's watched watched
2: it, it multiple it. times yeah yeah, yeah. okay was it mean, that, yeah, it's
1: I, not I mean, easy. What, what was his reaction to to you guys, and how did you deal with that? Because that is always really difficult. It's someone's real life father, or he's on the phone, and someone's playing him in that way. Yeah. It must be just heartbreaking.
2: The first time we watched it with him was at the Austin Film Festival, the very first screening we had with two hundred people, oh. and the film ended, and everyone everyone was crying. Like mm-hmm. I had never, I, I had never experienced anything like that ever. And like in in a in another world, this would have had a major theatrical release because the best way to watch this movie, the most impactful way, I would say, to watch this movie is in a is in a theater because of the way it hits you. Uh, but it, everyone was sobbing, and we had an interview afterwards. We had q and A, a Q&A and and Kenneth went up there, and that was that was hard. That was hard. I mean, I was bawling. Everyone mm-hmm. everyone was just bawling, and he was. You know, he he had to take a good five minutes to to compose himself to be able to speak, and it, it was just one of the most beautiful but heartbreaking uh, moments that I've experienced. I think as a filmmaker, and um, you know, and we've now watched it numerous times with him and in, in many different settings, and it's always the same. I mean, it's always the same. It's 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 really hard for him to watch this film.
3: It is. It's it's obviously very. It's very very hard in the moment, and and I think it's both a positive and. A negative, because he he obviously the film is very difficult for him and the Chamberlain family to watch. But I think they are absolutely happy and thankful and very oh, yeah. excited that the fi- that the film has been made and mm. and and that the I think that the film you know they they've been pursuing accountability now for ten years, and I think over the past few years the film has really been a bright spot for them. Yes, in terms yeah. of their excitement about this this new this incredible new tool Mm -hmm. yes word out there about their father's story and and those kinds of things so i think that it's been extremely though it is difficult to watch obviously very it's been really really meaningful for the family and particularly Mm -hmm. kenneth to to have this film and to have the support of the filmmakers and frankie Faison and morgan freeman who's an executive producer and and, Mm -hmm. and i think and really, really meaningful. So, so I think it's it's complicated. I, I'm sure it's very complicated because it is hard for them to watch. But at the same time, I think they are very, very glad that the film
1: exists. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure they are. It's a, it's a renewed interest in their story yes. now that can easily fade. People want right. to push it under the carpet, exactly. and it, it's those in power, and they're like, no, 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 no. This film, watch this film, and it's wonderful that you're getting all the publicity you are. It really, really is. So, so just to jump back a little bit, you've now you've written the script, uh, and you've come to Enrico uh, with your production company, Red Bird, and you're sort of going right we want to make this. How do you go about making it? Had you already got some interest from funding bodies already? Had you already got some private investors while you were writing it who you said, okay, well, we want to make this film. And they went, well, great. We'd be interested. Where were you at when you were writing it? Um, And how did the process work once you'd finished the script? I was writing it thinking like, I'm
3: going to, I'm going to just make this film. I'm, I'm going to Pay for the whole thing with my own money. Wow. I'm going to use my own apartment. I'll use my own apartment building. You know, we we were we were at first thinking like we just have to do this. We just have mm-hmm. to make it one way or another. Whether it's whether we make it for twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars or you know or ten thousand dollars or how much it might end up being. So that was the initial intention. I was just writing it thinking we're going to make this one way or another we're going to make this one way or another and then enrico can probably talk a, a little bit about how the how the investors came on board but that's mm. that's really how i you know through the initial drafts of the script how i was sort of contemplating it
2: i've known david for over really long time we went to the same college together and we we've we've been a part of each other's lives for for quite some time and and this when he sent me this script you know there, there's very few scripts that i've read that like i i, I think i immediately called you I set up a time the next day to meet and that, and I was like, "We're making this movie." And I think it was like three months later we we were shooting, so it happened very wow. quickly because it was it was really powerful. And and I I happened to know investors who had just talked to me about making something very meaningful, and I I had sent them a couple scripts about like a comedy about this and this, and like <laughs> they were like, "No, nah, we want to do something." And then I read that and I was like, "This is." And so I immediately sent it, um, and of course they were floored because pretty much everyone was who who read the script because it was almost. I mean, it's very powerful now, but it was very powerful as a script too. And so we moved very quickly. And then you know I've you know I produced a lot, so for me it was like put the wheels in motion and move immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I you know I felt compelled to to play Rossi. Just because I felt like uh, being that voice of uh, uh, really what the audience was feeling, I felt important to play that. But mm-hmm. it, it was very much a, a thing that we we moved pretty quickly at that point. I mean, we, we kind of sped right into it and um, we cast very quickly. We, we got everything. We got our locations. We, and we found our, our lead actor in Frankie pretty quickly too, yeah.
0: I love that. And, and, and you mentioned Morgan Freeman joined as well. How did that sort of transpire?
2: Morgan joined after uh, after we were done. So we we even we had our, we were in the middle of our festival run, I believe, um, and one of our executive we have, producers... We're
3: near the end. I think we had like one or two more to go. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah.
2: W- one of so our executive well. producers... Yes, Yeah. absolutely. We, we had already won. We won every festival um, that we were at, either an audience award or a, a narrative, uh, the jury mm-hmm. award. Yes. Um, and we got to, towards the end of one of our executive producers on our team, they got the project to revelations entertainment. And so, uh, and that's Morgan's company with uh, Laurie McCreary and Gary Lucchese. And so they all watched the movie and were floored and blown away. And, you know, I remember when they told us that Morgan watched the movie, his response was, uh, holy moly, do what you can to give me a part of this film, uh, was his, was his response. Uh, and that that was pretty great for us. I mean, obviously, who's not a, a Morgan Freeman fan. I mean, you know, he's, he's exactly. had such a decorated career and uh, he's been such a, a great voice for us. Um, he's really helped amplify the story, um, being able to get a lot more press. And that was exactly what we wanted him to do, was mm-hmm. was come on board and help us because we needed the help to to amplify the story. We're, we're a tiny little movie trying mm-hmm. to make waves and like it's been incredible getting Gotham, the Gotham win for Frankie and now the indie spirit awards but you know we've been largely ignored by critics uh because they don't care about our movie our movie is very small and they it's been really really challenging to get people to to pay attention to us because you know as, you know of course i'm a i'm a movie lover david's a movie lover we love there's a tremendous amount of movies out right now and there's a lot of really really good content but we feel you know, we we have our our place at that at that table, and we'd love for for more people to to look at this, not just for the film, but for the story.
1: And they do, and they will. You know, it, I, I it, hope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you're brilliant in the role as well. And and I think it. Thank to be you, honest, it's the. I think it's probably the best role you could take that wasn't Frankie's role anyway, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. all the other roles are <laughs> literally. Be the other guy. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't be
2: great for me as a producer on the project to be, you know, on the the, the Jackson and <laughs> you know, but yeah no
1: I felt I felt
2: a, a voice. It was a voice of the of the audience and I mm. felt like I could I could feel I could feel that. I could feel what the audience was going through. Um, and, and I wanted to feel that for them. Yeah.
1: How did you, I mean, cause it was brilliantly well acted across the board, but, and, and I definitely think it's brilliant, well written and directed. How did you, David, then direct the piece now? Did you do it in blocks? Did you do all Frankie's bit, uh, you know, in one go? Did you do all the corridor bits It'd just be really interested to know? And then how did you work with Frankie and with the police officers to build up that tension, to build up that absolute frantic, Pain and anguish that uh, that was coming across the screen. It was like bleeding out the screen, which is incredible. It was it was an interesting process because the you know it's just the magic of movie making.
3: Uh, Mm. The apartment and the hallway were actually on complete opposite sides of the building. Um, Wow! And and so so there's no they are not
1: joined at at all. all. Got you.
3: Um, And we had to do you know we had to do some visual effects. I would I I I spent thousands of hours. Tweaking visual effects to make that illusion sell. Uh, and, uh, and most of the time when Frankie is talking to the officers, they weren't there. They were he, he was talking to a production assistant off screen. Wow.
1: You know, the production okay.
3: assistant was just reading the lines and the same thing for the officers. I mean, the officers they, our our production manager was behind that door. Uh, reading, reading Kenneth's lines. Mm-hmm. So the the actors really had a lot of weight placed on their shoulders in terms of u- using their imaginations. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, as with any film, you have to use your imagination. The actors do, but but I think the weight was even greater, and they really rose to the task on both sides. Because it it wouldn't have been if we were just getting great stuff from Frankie, and then the yeah. stuff in the hallway wasn't that interesting. The film wouldn't have worked. It had to be, it had to be nuanced and interesting and uh, compelling on both sides of the door, and it and it absolutely was. There wasn't a whole lot of directing that I had to do once we really got into, into the the the, the swing of of filming. Um, you know, Frankie understood exactly what this character what this character needed, and um, I just essentially, you know, occasionally I would I would ask for you know a tweak here, a tweak there, and there were a couple scenes that we there were a couple scenes that we had discussions about, you know, in terms of like, okay, how are we going to block this, and where is where is it important? Like, if if these two characters are looking at, at each other, where is it important that they make eye contact? Because there are so few moments of eye contact in the film between okay. Kenneth and the officers we wanted to pick those moments very carefully so you know we we, we definitely would discuss those kinds of things um, and that and then on the officer side it was really a matter of figuring out the controlled chaos of everything that was going on on the outside because there were times where we had you know 10 15 people with the officers the residents mm-hmm. the niece you know, uh, uh, kind of being shoved and pushed around this little tiny hallway space.
1: It was a small space. I tell it, you very, what, it was
3: incredibly like, cold. close watching it. Yeah. I was like, yes. I don't envy you. It was even smaller. I feel like looking at it now, it looks bigger than it actually was, even though it's still, yeah. <laughs> it still it seems bigger than it actually was. So that was, you know, we did long takes, very, very long yeah. takes, which I think yeah. actually helped helped mm. the actors kind of stay in the moment because yeah, they didn't have sure. to kind of pop in and out of character yeah. so we did really really long takes where we were shooting potentially like four to five pages of dialogue in one in one take um which oh, yeah. was yeah. was uh you know an asset in many ways because mm-hmm. the actors were able to get really into into these characters and not have to pop in and out of character all the time but logistically it was a challenge because we had to we had to balance okay on this line 3 pages in you're going to come over here and you're going to slip past this officer and you're going to bang on the door here and just so many different pieces of action that so that was really the biggest challenge I think of 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 the piece mm-hmm. was coordinating the controlled chaos that was going on in the hallway and in the, in the apartment. Cause even in the apartment with Frankie, we were, you know, he was doing four or five pages of dialogue all at once. And, and it was, yeah. it was, um you know, and, and really, really intense physically. It's demanding. intense. Yeah. 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 It kept them in
2: the moment. It kept all of us in the moment though. I mean, I would say like, I remember, you know, because we scheduled it. And so like, I knew going into it and like, I, I'll have to say this um, for, for me, the, the very first scene I ever shot was the window scene. That was my very first scene. (laughs) And because we were shooting all Frankie stuff, you know, we were shooting all Frankie stuff inside. And so as, as a producer, I was like, well, we have to shoot this now. It doesn't make sense to shoot it later. So I was like, we'll just have to shoot this now. And so it just ended up being the very first scene I did, but it ended up being like the best possible scenario because I got to experience that. That was like life changing. That moment to me personally, when I knock on the door and he turns and he holds the knife out at me, almost immediately, both cameras are pointed at me, and almost immediately there was a freight train that was that that started coming by. So hold for train, you know. We hold in that moment, like I'm there and I'm holding. I'm on camera. I'm like I'm gonna. This is great stuff for me to use as an editor, you know. And but I'm. We held for like three minutes, and Mm -hmm. in that time, I just. I I just looked at Frankie and he was just so immersed in his character who was completely off camera. We're holding, we're not even like, we're not even doing anything. And he's so immersed in his character staring at me. It was like the most profound experience I've ever had as an actor. Just like to experience someone doing that at his level um, was just so incredible and uh, I immediately, we finished the scene and it was such a powerful experience. And I went to David and I was like, we have to have the other actors watch him. We, we have to have them watch him. They, they need to see what he's doing. And so we called all the other actors in uh, the next day when they weren't even working just so they can literally watch Frankie perform. And they uh-huh. were blown away. And, and, and from that moment, I would hear the actors on set. That when it was on the officer side be like guys remember what frankie's doing remember what frankie's doing remember and like if they just use that that as motivation to kind of heighten their level of performance so uh in, in so many ways he elevated this movie to a to a different level and uh but yeah that, that's really unique that like that first scene which happens to be like the climax of the movie you know the the, the, <laughs> the pivotal point of the movie yeah. and and it just happened to be the first scene. And it, and it worked out because of that, you know, we, we got to recognize how important it was for the other actors to see to see him perform.
1: Mm. I, I love it. I loved seeing actors in those moments. And David, you must relish that when, you know, you've got an actor as as gifted as Frankie and you're going, well, I'll just turn the camera on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go for it. We, we, <laughs> you know?
3: knew, we knew, I mean, it, it's funny because we we didn't shoot in sequence. We didn't shoot in sequence, but oh, okay. the first thing that we happened to shoot was him laying in bed activating the thing and taking it off. Right. So, right. But we did we in general, we did not shoot in sequence, but that just the first moment of the film just happened to be the first thing we shot. Mm-hmm. And most of it is just Frankie snoring. Most of it is the character <laughs> laying in bed and snoring and taking this thing off. And I even from that first moment, I was like. Even just like Frankie could even his snoring's good. Even, even the <laughs> like, snoring. Such a snoring. Like, wow. This performance. I, I, you know, I just told I said to myself, after seeing him do the first take of just the snoring in bed, I was like, this performance is going to be amazing mm. because he drew me in just laying in a bed and snoring. I mean, I mean, I could tell right it from was there. awesome. Like, this, <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like this guy, this guy is going to bring every single ounce of his skill and passion to this role. And, mm. and I, re- I just remember getting goosebumps just from that very first moment. I was like, mm. this is, this is going to be something special.
1: Yeah, and it, and it is, and I, I'm so glad that you've captured it that way and how. Fascinating. How did you plan your shots? Because you've got so many like bits. Like, how, how many de- did you shoot for? Like, say, seven days with uh, with uh, Frankie with all the Kenneth stuff in the house. And then was it like seven in the corridor? Was it less than that, ish? Yeah, we did. We did. It was a twelve day
3: shoot altogether. Okay. So it was very. It was very quick. We had we had eight days in total with Frankie, and okay. then eight days in total with the officers and
2: four
1: of
3: those
2: days, days overlapped oh okay. no it was
1: four, yeah, four, four, four of days overlapped so. i was like you, you <laughs> so, can't count." no yes of course we've got no, the overlap uh, <laughs> um, so it, 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 and
3: planning out the shot you know it was a very interesting process because our d our incredible dp cameron petromali had never yes. shot a film like this he'd never shot a film in the mm.
1: i checked his own. D- i was like oh hang on because this guy's amazing what amazing cinematographer here and not done a f- feature from what i could see i was like wow okay done a couple. yeah yeah done a couple.
2: I, done a couple. i've worked me. with him before in the past oh, okay. and did a few of the stuff but he this is a very unique style mm. that i think uh could have fallen flat on his face if he didn't um uh you know and and a testament to our, our camera operators as well were just you know dancing with frankie the whole time you know uh you know moving moving with him and, uh, you know, they, they did an incredible job. And, and the whole camera team was absolutely
0: yeah. incredible. Yeah, especially on those long takes as well. Because, like, you know, yeah. you do a five-minute take, someone's doing in the heart. You don't and want we, to miss yeah, exactly. exactly. the focus on the... Exactly.
3: The hallway was a really interesting space because you have, you know, the slats and the banisters. You have mm. the, all of those diagonal lines with the stairs going up and down. And mm-hmm. so we what we tried to do was we tried to kind of take a voyeuristic perspective on the the apartment too but especially the hallway as though the residents were like peeking around the hall the corner or like peeking through the banist the the slats in the banisters mm. see what was going on up there or down there and uh it, it, cameron cameron and, and the camera operators just did an incredible job of finding finding unique angles unique perspectives and we would do you know a lot of it a lot of it was improvised we planned out mm. a certain like we went through certain scenes and talked about okay i want I definitely want the camera here for a couple takes and here, but a lot of it was improvised. We would just do like we would do a couple takes with the cameras in certain positions and then we would switch it up and we'd say, okay, now we're going to flip the cameras around and we're going to have one here and one here. And the, our, our camera operators, as, as Enrico was mentioning, had just very, very good instincts about when to pan, when to, when to do a snap zoom, when to shake the camera, how frenetic, you know, they, they had good instincts with how frenetic the, the movement was, you know, because that's that's it's just it's a style that a lot of filmmakers attempt to use, but it's not done successfully. Like, I think, yeah. you know, Paul Greengrass, mm-hmm. Paul Greengrass is kind of the that that's kind of what he's associated with. Mm. And then filmmakers like Catherine Bigelow have used it very successfully. But I think that that handheld and now that handheld style has kind of become a crunch. And now David Baddell. That's right. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but I, there is a lot of potential landmines that you can step on using that style. But... Um, our, mm. our whole camera department really, really did an incredible job. They did a lot of research. They watched a lot of Catherine Bigelow and Paul Greengrass films to to really you know understand what worked and what didn't work with that style.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly didn't feel unmotivated. And I think I think when it's when it's over movement and there doesn't feel like there's any kind of sense or reason to why the camera is moving, you know, then it then it can be extremely off putting. But yeah. Exactly. But when it just naturally feels like you're you're part of the the energy of, of, of the people in the scene that's when it's sort of done right and I think you mm. guys manage that
1: David this is your second feature right your first feature was uh night lights is that correct so mm. right? yeah so your first feature night lights and then moving on to the killing here of Kenneth Chamberlain what did you bring me, what did you learn from that first feature that you brought to the second feature? Probably more than I'm even
3: aware of. I, I think you know, <laughs> I, I mean so, so many things like you know, just 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 having I think having even though it was a completely different scale, completely different genre, do, different content, different stylistically. Mm. There was just so many things about the filmmaking process that, having been through it once, you know, there, there was a certain amount of like, okay, I've I've done this before, and I I know, you know, I I I knew I understood the mistakes that I had made on that film, even though I like I'm enormously proud of that film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really great film. That's obviously a very different genre, but you know, probably more than I'm even aware because I'm sure the experiences on Night Lights and you know Enrico's produced and and directed features before as well. Mm -hmm, So I think both of us were able to bring all of that experience to this film and uh, integrate all of the mistakes that we would made integrate all of the good decisions that we've made in the past and and use all of that
0: experience to make this as this film as good as it could be and i think you've both done a fantastic job on it
1: yeah absolutely and then Rico, for you then talking about the sort of producing side of selling the movie and obviously david you produced it as well but in terms of getting it out there as you have was your route always to go down the festival angle did you think this is a festival film let's see what happens and then distribution will follow if it does well
2: Absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, we were right in that in that thought process. You know, we we did uh, very well in the festivals we we played at. You know, I always thought this was a festival darling. This would do well in, in that circuit. Um, and you know, we we got enough recognition to get to get uh, Morgan Freeman on board, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of spiraled things uh, from there. And again, we're, we're I always say we're the little engine that could. You know, we're a very small movie trying to do big things and trying to tell a story that deserves to be told. Um, so, um, uh, our promise to kind of Chamberlain jr. Uh, you know, I told him at the very beginning was that I would do everything in my power to get your, your father's name on a national level. And, you know, we're, we're very close. We're very close to that happening. There's a lot more people talking about the movie now Mm -hmm. and talking about what happened to him and and the, the outrage that's pouring out from that. So we we hope that that continues. And we hope that that people continue to, to, to look at this film and, 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 Figure out what happened and and kind of rise up and, and shout kind of Chamberlain Senior's name together.
1: Hundred percent. And speaking of which, where can people see it?
2: Yeah, HBO Max, and it's it's pretty much available uh, anywhere that you can rent a movie. So iTunes, Amazon Prime, you know, kind of all those all those places. Uh, Voodoo. Um, it's on Xbox. It's on a bunch America. of. Them. Yeah, Voltage Pictures has the uh, international rights right now, and so they're selling it. it. It just sold to a few territories in Europe. It's going to be selling. In the next few months, to um, the rest of the territories in, in Europe as well. But you know, I've, I've certainly seen enough people uh, watch it uh, internationally. I don't know how, but <laughs> they, they've, they've somehow managed to watch it. So, um, if,
0: if you could give your, your younger self uh, advice, going back and doing it all again uh, when you're at the start of your career, or maybe maybe at the start of this film, like any advice you'd give to yourself or, or a young filmmaker? <laughs>
3: I would say, I think one of the things that I've learned about myself as you know, this applies to everyone to a certain extent, but one of the things that I've learned about myself, especially being, you know, a filmmaker on the autism spectrum, and I need to be mindful of taking care of myself and, and uh, making sure that I'm getting enough sleep. when, when, I'm, when, you, when, when I'm in the heat of shooting, you know I, I've learned that I really need to, be, I really need to be mindful of those kinds of things because I, I will get so in, uh, uh, engrossed in what's going on which is great and you you need you need a certain amount of that as a as a filmmaker to especially when you're on set directing but i will get so engrossed in what's going on and so dialed into the littlest tiny details that i'll completely abandon any type of self-care or you know my my level of stress will just continue to rise and rise and rise and i think i think for for any filmmaker it, it it's you know being on set shooting it's a good idea to remember to take care of yourself get a good night's sleep like if if it's a choice between watching all the if it's 10 o'clock at night and you have to be up tomorrow at 5 a.m for to to start shooting Mm -hmm. if it's if you have a choice between going to bed and getting a couple extra hours of sleep or watching some of the footage from the previous day watch a little bit but get your sleep get enough sleep, you know because otherwise like you you won't be able to function as a director you won't, you know. At least, at least that's that's
0: how I. am. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I think it's one of the biggest pitfalls that people do is that is that they think they have to think about every you know micro problem, and what happens is that people's stress levels elevate, their caffeine levels elevate, the sugar levels elevate, the the, the sleep levels uh, you know reduce, and people then just aren't able to actually make rational, sensible decisions that will be much more important than you know uh, that extra ten minutes of of prep uh the night before so
3: you know it affects your working relationship with people you're more irritable yeah exactly
0: collaborative all those
1: kinds of things yeah Mm, amazing uh and uh, the best place for people to find news of the killing of uh, kenneth chamberlain uh yeah if they if they follow us on social
3: media all of our on facebook twitter and um Instagram our our handles are killing of Casey film we update it. you know we update it daily there's always new new news coming out um mm. that's definitely the best way to find out about uh information about the film and then uh yeah yeah HBO Max um is the best place to watch it if you have HBO Max if not it's available on any any uh you know VOD platform
1: amazing links to all that will be in the show notes you can go out there uh, boys and girls and go make your indie film you can make something that can make a difference in the world if you want to do it then go and do it and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down thank you so much for listening thank you so much david for coming on thank you david thank you for having us this was it was a great conversation thank you enrico thank you guys so much Thank thank you and we will see you all next tuesday i can't wait to see what you lot do uh keep us in the loop you know our twitter handles you know our instagram let us know be inspired and go make your film as well we'll see you next week see you next week bon appetit